The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Into the Net FC. The Soccer Talk Discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. As usual, I am the host, the Bear of Texas. And ladies and gentlemen, Premier League match day number three is officially in the books. And not surprising, just as we expected, much like the previous two weeks, this week was full of surprises. And of course... It had to be the biggest, well, arguably the biggest surprise of the week just had to be the last game of the week, did it not? Because quite frankly, many will argue the bigger surprise being Leeds United beating Chelsea 3-0 or Manchester United beating Liverpool at home at Old Trafford. (laughs) You know what, folks? In my case, I have actually sat down and, and I literally spent 20 goddamn minutes trying to figure out which of those two is the most surprising. But then I kind of figured, you know what? The bottom line is, they are both amazing and very important talking points of this episode. So I'm just going to see it like that. And it's, it's a blessing because it just adds more to the story. And it adds more brilliant and exciting content. And I want to give a shout out to everybody that's been very supportive right since the beginning. And all the loyal new supporters who have been joining the show the last couple of weeks. Thank you all very much. God bless you all. So here we go. Well, Tottenham beating Wolverhampton at home 1-0. to zero. Well, that was kind of the game. I really didn't expect to go that way. But speaking of Tottenham, of course, how things went last week against Chelsea at Samford Bridge. Well, I mean, of course, one of the guys admits, and he actually admitted that they got it wrong, especially at the end with the hair pulling scenario involving Chelsea, the Chelsea player and the Tottenham player. And I actually had their names in my head for a second, and they both kind of disappeared, so I kind of pretty much just embarrassed myself right there. But I guess I suppose these brain farts are just simply part of the game. In other words, it happens. Y'all just know that I'm just excited. The adrenaline's kicking in. And god damn it, it is so goddamn overbearing. Anyway. So the ref- one of the referees is- says that it should have definitely been under VAR. But I could have sworn there was somewhat of a review. Because, you know, the referee was just right there. He saw it. And I just don't even know how he didn't just pull off the red card. I mean... It, it it was disgraceful. It was repugnant. It was it was atrocious. You know, but Tottenham goes. You know, from you know getting lucky last week. You know, both goals which which never should have happened. 
and they pick up a and basically I would probably say an unconvincing win against Wolverhampton at home, and the final score being one to zero. Huh. You know it's interesting. Harry Kane scores the only goal and doesn't do it until the 64th minute. So that's where the unconvincing part kind of kind of kicks in. Now, considering the fact that Tottenham had four shots on goal, they could have only made one count. Okay. And as far as ball possession goes, according to Goal.com, Wolverhampton had it a little bit longer. But, you know, it's interestingly enough, the four yellow cars that came out in this game... You know, you know, you definitely know there's a little bit of physicality. I mean, some of these EPL games, I mean, more often than not, a lot of them really are, do get physical. Now, looking at the stats, you know, a total of 20 shots for Wolverhampton, a total of 11 for Tottenham, and Wolverhampton had three shots on target, while Tottenham had four, as I just, as I had just said. And according to this, both teams had zero big chances missed, so... That kind of brings up the dull part of the game. I mean, looking at it, you know, Tottenham going from what they did last week against Chelsea to you know pick up a game against Wolverhampton the way they did. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, a win's a win. But here's actually something interesting: both teams had 17 clearances, and both goalkeepers had a total of three saves. So in my case, seeing Hugo Lloris, you know, have the three saves, you know, that that's definitely a bit of pride for me. Uh, the French-American part of me now kicking in, along with that super overwhelming adrenaline. You know, and seeing, you know, you know, seeing uh, Hugo Lloris, you know, as, as far as Hugo Lloris goes, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I really feel like this World Cup later this year in Qatar, is it, you know, could very well be his last. So, I mean, I, I don't know, but, you know, Hugo Lloris, you know, still having, you know, his good moments, you know, in, in the Premier League. You know, at this point, you know, in in his career, you know, he's in his you know mid to late thirty, getting in his late thirties soon. So, I still think maybe as far as I'm concerned, as far as Luis goes, I'd imagine he's gonna finish out his current contract, and then and then he's and then he's probably gonna be done with Tottenham. I wouldn't be surprised if if a club in in his native France, you know, calls him and offer offers to play there. You know, then again, I wouldn't even be surprised if Major League Soccer even gave him gave him a phone call, but. If it was up to me, if I had to pick whether to play in the United States or France, eh, I don't know, probably France just because, you know, it's always good to be home. But anyway, well, interestingly enough, I'm looking at, I was looking at the lineup for Tottenham and I do not see the, and I do not see the person responsible for the, the hair pulling uh, segment from uh, last week. Uh, who knows what's, what's gone with there. So anyway. But, you know, seeing how everything with Tottenham and spin of Tottenham, you know, Tottenham still, you know, manages to stay in the top four. You know, they're actually in fourth right now. There's actually a tie, you know, right now with with teams with two wins. You know, Manchester City, Leeds United, Tottenham and Brighton kind of sit as the teams with two wins. And Arsenal is on top, you know, being 3-0. and And we'll definitely get to that soon. But the table changed all of a sudden. And it's only getting interested by week and uh, who knows it's only the beginning there's plenty of soccer left to play y'all especially in the Premier League so anyway yeah so not much to say out of the Tottenham win I'm pretty sure I spent more time than I probably should have but now we get to Crystal Palace versus Aston Villa and I can only there's only two words I gotta say out of that that would be Wilfred Zaha 
you know, scoring two goals and then leading Crystal Palace to a 3-1 win over Aston Villa. You know, what's interesting is Aston Villa took the lead within five minutes, and then immediately after, Crystal Palace returned the favor because after seven minutes, it was 1-1. Huh. And you know you're, it's pretty interesting when both teams score at least one goal within the first 10 minutes of the game and the distance of, of amount of time between those goals is two minutes or less. I mean, you know that's a, that's some serious play right there. But a couple of highlights, you know, we, we played Zaha missing that penalty at first, but then, you know, converting it, you know. You know, I always say if the if the goalkeeper deflects it, it it's still it's still live ball unless it goes out. But sometimes these players can be so lucky and fortunate enough, the penalty is saved, but they're at the right place at the right time to convert the ball back in, and then basically it is basically declared a goal. And we and we'd fled Zaha, you know, really been kind of really just the best player you know, for Crystal Palace, but. You know, seeing um, where Crystal Palace, you know, sits right now, they have one win, one draw, and one loss. You know, they they still sit in ninth place, but but Crystal Palace, you know, picking up that win, which was their first one of the season. I mean, if they can keep it up, it's definitely going to lead to better results. But you know, it's one win, and, and in their case, they got to keep it up. And you know, seeing you know Crystal Palace, you know, nine shots on target, while Aston Villa had five. Hmm. You know, it's really interesting to see, you know, all the shots that you have. And, you know, it's basically, it's about making them count. And sometimes, you know, you put in all that effort, but if you can't score the goal, I mean, that's what really hurts, you know, more than anything. But that's Crystal Palace and Aston Villa. Now we get to Everton and Nottingham Forest. Hmm. Well, you know, we talk about these interesting early goals. You know, now we go from interesting two goals early in the game. Now we go to two goals... Interestingly, late in the game, because Nottingham Forest took the lead in the 81st minute and brief- briefly held it until Everton equalized about seven minutes later. So that's why when I say, like, we go from two early goals in one game to two late goals in the other game. What are the odds, right? <laughs> you know, see, seeing Nottingham Forest, you know, back in the Premier League, you know, I can't even remember the last time. If, if I remember correctly, I believe it was the first time since about 2012, unless I'm thinking of another club. But it has been, you know, quite a while since, we, since we've seen Nottingham Forest. I think I got it correct. I think it was the first time since the 2011-12 season that Nottingham Forest has been in the top, uh, the top flight. So, well, Nottingham Forest, unfor- you know, for them, you know... The start where they are, they're at one win, one draw, and one loss. You know, not so bad. They're in tenth place. You know, in Nottingham Forest's case, you know, the fact that right now they sit higher than Chelsea, Manchester United, and Liverpool. I mean, that's definitely a sense of good pride right there. So, so them, you know, this time, you know, certainly for a draw. You know, for them, you know, getting the getting the win certainly would have been huge. But, uh but you know. They got the one point, and actually, no, yeah, I was thinking actually about the team because I just pulled out my notes. It was actually, they're actually in the Premier League for the first time in 23 years. Yeah, so I knew I actually had gotten that right. I had gotten that wrong, so, you know, the two, you know, two-time European champions, you know, being back in the Premier League, yeah, for the first time since 1999, so I'm glad I actually double-checked that, so I know I'm probably a little bit off today, kind of getting the facts a little bit, a little bit uh, backwards, but, you know, kind of having, you know, a 
kind of had a very tough weekend. You know, last week, you know, we had some bad weather in my area, and then my AC kind of uh, had a little bit of an issue. So, and I'll be honest with you all, in Texas, the, the scariest thing in the state of Texas is your air conditioner breaking during the summertime. And I'm not talking about the car AC. I'm talking about the home ACs. Believe me. In Texas, the one thing that you'd probably dread more than anything is your air conditioning breaking in the brutal summertime. Because in the state of Texas, it's not just the heat you got to worry about. It's the goddamn humidity as well. I kid you not. But anyway, back to the program right now. But, you know, Nottingham Forest, you know, so far, you know, not, not bad so far. The first three games, they got one win, one draw, one loss. Although their goal differential is at negative one because they've scored twice while conceding three times. But but again, they're in 10th place. They're ahead of Chelsea. They're ahead of Manchester United. They're ahead of Liverpool. So I guess some, some all you can say so far, it's not, it hasn't been so bad. And in Nottingham Forest's case, you know, being in the top flight for the first time since 1999, you want to do whatever it takes to stay in the top flight because you do not want to go through another long a drought of just being back, uh, back in the being in the second tier. I mean, it would be a shame to go 23 years being, you know, in a, in a lower zone, and then you, you here you are back in the top flight, and it lasts only one season. It is terrible. But I have no doubt that Nottingham Forest will will do a fantastic job, and they will actually manage to stay in the, in the Premier League. But again, it remains to be seen. But their tie against Everton certainly could have ended in, in, in better terms, you know, for them. You know, Everton sits at 17th place. And it's only goal differential that that's basically ke- that's keeping him out of the uh, relegation zone, because Everton is actually one of the five teams in the Premier League so far that it's that is winless after three games. The others would be Liverpool, Wolverhampton, Leicester City, and West Ham United. And you know the difference right in Wolverhampton, who's in 18th place. You know, yeah, the only difference is is that you know Wolverhampton has you know conceded three times and but only scored once. Everton has actually conceded four times on scoring twice, so you know the more the goal differential right there, even though it's both at negative two, the fact that Everton has scored you know just one goal more, I mean that's really what, what the dip, that, that's really what kind of puts the difference at the spots. But at the end of the day, it's very little to absolutely no difference. So, so as far as uh, Nottingham Forest goes, well, surely the match next week is definitely something they're going to have to actually kind of pick up the pace. But, you know, as far as Nottingham Forest goes, I mean, next week it's going to be tough because Nottingham Forest is actually going to host Tottenham. So, yeah. And, you know, and, and Crystal Palace, you know, will be on the road taking against Manchester City. So, <laughs> so maybe after that, and Aston Villa takes on the, uh, the winless, you know, West Ham United, who West Ham United is now at the bottom of the Premier League. And it looks so bad for them because West Ham United is, you know, is has lost all three of their games. They have conceded five times, and believe it or not, they have yet to even score a goal. So, you know, everybody was talking how, as of last week, you know, it, had Manchester United failed to score against Liverpool, their goal of the month would have been a known goal. And I had said that that doesn't count because Manchester United didn't really score, so it's not like that. So, if your goal of the month would be a known goal, I mean, that's embarrassing. But in, you know, like that in, in West Ham's case, man, you know, so far right now, the fact that they haven't even scored, I mean, that's. Pretty frustrating as well, if you ask me. But anyway, it's all about Nottingham Forest and Everton. You know, Nottingham Forest is really gonna have to pick up the pace because they play Tottenham, you know, next week. And uh, speaking of Everton, Everton plays Brentford. And speaking of Brentford, 
That's where we go to next. Brentford losing to Fulham. I mean, how about that? In, Brentford, in Brentford's case, you go from absolutely obliterating and embarrassing Manchester United 4-0. to zero. You go from that, and then you lose to Fulham. And imagine that. Fulham scoring early on in the game. Hmm. You know, at one time, after 20 minutes, because Fulham was up 2-0, to zero, and then Brentford... Immediately scores, you know, like right before, um, right before halftime in the forty-fourth minute to make it two to one, and then in the seventy-first minute it's two to two. But the, so, so what's interesting is that Fulham scores within the first minute, and then they score the game winner in the ninetieth minute. I mean, y'all know what I'm trying. Y'all know what I'm saying right here. I mean, imagine that scoring that early on, so early, and then you score the game winner that late in the game. I mean. It's one of those games where you kind of really, you really see, you know, we could not have seen this coming. What are the odds? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, I, I don't even know what to say, you know, really, how, how this game, you know, could have went. Because, you know, trying to see exactly you know, how, Fulham was, how Fulham was able to, you know, to take care of you know, and defeat a team that actually embarrassed, as I said, Manchester United the previous week. But, you know, Fulham just, you know, came prepared. You know, Fulham, I mean, let's offer it again. In the, in the first game of the season, how twice they were leading Liverpool. And even though they would concede and they would have to settle for a draw. But, you know, Fulham so far, the start the start is actually pretty, uh, pretty respectable. And seeing where Fulham sits right now, Fulham is in seventh place. So, with one win and two draws. So, Fulham has actually yet to lose a game. I mean, imagine that. You know, according to this, the standing. You know, you look at the standings. You look at the teams who have yet to lose. Fulham is actually the last team right now, according to this, that has yet to lose because of the rankings. Newcastle is right up above them. You know, with one win and two draws. And right now, the difference between them is that you know Fulham has conceded one goal more than Newcastle United. Actually, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm actually looking at that wrong. <clears throat> I, uh, sorry. No, actually, no, never mind. I actually was looking at that correct. I mean, I, I'm just kind of having an off day again. Well, you, you look at the uh, goal uh, fours, you know, both Fulham and, and Newcastle have scored five goals, although Fulham has allowed has conceded four goals while while Newcastle has conceded three. So I uh, basically had a, a, another bit of a brain fart right there. It's like, <laughs> I really apologize, you know, having the notes on the computer, you know, kind of looking at the tables like that and just worrying that, you know, whatever something's happening, you're fearing the worst. You're like, man, it's hard, it's hard to stay concentrated, but in my case, you know, it could it could very well be uh, attention, uh, the ADHD. So, you know, that's that, but excuse out of that. <clears throat> well, you know, going through and seeing, you know, um, you know, Fulham winning like, like that, and, and them beating Brentford, you know, that, that's definitely, you know, so, sometimes you, you just feel like anything can happen in a game. But as one of my most loyal listeners uh, of Stoppage Time FC, Mr. Joe Maver would say, well, as he would ask me, isn't football amazing? And then I would always respond, amazing is too much of an understatement to say just how great this, the game of soccer is. I mean, you guys know I'm, I'm not exaggerating, okay? <laughs> it's no exaggeration right there. Not at all. Absolutely not at all. Uh, Fulham picking up the win against Brentford. I mean, hmm. 
But, you know, seeing how Fulham was up 2 nothing after 20 minutes, and then you see Brentford kind of roar back, you know, again, you, you just kind of see the competition. You, you kind of see the environment of the Premier League, you know, teams just fighting and fighting and fighting because of all, of all that pride. But, honestly, um, there was a time where, according to some of the notes that I've read, that Fulham, you know, should have been up, should have had a 3-1 lead, but, unfortunately, they couldn't, they couldn't you know, Convert or do whatever, whatever happened. But anyway, but you know, for Fulham, things actually it started out well. You know, kind of went a little bit sour, but Fulham, you know, found a way, found a way to get it done. And speaking of getting it done in a uh, basically unpredictable fashion, I mean, imagine that Southampton beating Leicester City on the road. Hmm. And the fact that Leicester City had the lead at first, and then Southampton equalizes and then wins, and then takes one late in the game. You know, for and you know, saying Southampton, you know, going to this game, you know, they had been winless, you know, draw, with a draw and a loss in their first two games, and picking up that win. And right now, Southampton sits in eleventh place. And speaking of pride from earlier, same thing with Nottingham Forest. You know, right now, Southampton, even though it's merely for the time being. Southampton finds themselves ahead of Chelsea and Manchester United as well as Liverpool. But again, uh, I say that very clearly. It's for the time being. <laughs> you know, seeing um, like that, and you know, for you know Leicester City, it's a really after a robo start for them because Leicester City, nineteenth place and a negative three goal differential right there for them. You know, f- scored five times and conceded a total of eight times. And speaking of the eight times, I mean, that's actually the most in the Premier League. Right now, Leicester City is the team in the Premier League that has conceded the most times, although the likes of Manchester United, AFC Bournemouth, and Southampton have each conceded seven times. So, yeah. Not that bad right there, but right now, Leicester City is, is the club. You know, after three games, Leicester City has con- have conceded the most goals which would be at 8, and they have a negative 3 goal differential, but West Ham United has the worst goal differential because they're at negative 5. Because as, as I've said, West Ham United has scored 0 times, and they have conceded 5 times. Well, you know, seeing the game, you know, for, for uh, Leicester City, I mean, you know, an interesting part is that, you know, here's actually something, a, a bit of credit to Leicester City. They had one shot on target, and th- they made that goal count. So the one shot on target, they were able actually to convert that into a goal. You know, and Southampton had three shots on target, and they made two of them count. So, so this is this is major credit to both clubs. You know, get, getting the shots on target and, and them converting. You know, more like that and having a positive uh, conversion rate rather than the negative one. So you really got to give them that. But you know, seeing you know how Leicester City had a whole lot way more passes than you know Southampton. You know, South and according to this, you know, Southampton did have one big chance missed. So, but seeing all the successful passes, how Leicester City had four over four hundred and fifty successful passes, and you know, and Southampton had seven successful crosses. And amazingly enough, the Southampton goalkeeper did not have a save, although Leicester City's goalkeeper did make one. But both teams had over had uh, at least 20 clearances, a total of 42 combined, 22 for Southampton and 20 for Leicester City. And a little bit of defensive work as well, you know, 10 interceptions for Southampton and 6 for Leicester City. So you, you saw the, a little bit of the solid play, you know, on the defense. But, you know, seeing the final result... Seeing Southampton pull up the win on the road 
it was no it was no easy task for them. And Southampton can't really say that they got. I mean, they got lucky. I mean, they the way they played. Well, you just you, you just basically got, got to give them the credit, and, and I gave Southampton a ton of credit. And as, as far as Southampton goes, you know, even though, like I said, it's for the time being. I mean, right now Southampton, you know, sitting right above Chelsea, and now now you're looking at the you're basically looking at the goal differential again. Although interestingly enough, Southampton along with Chelsea, they both have a negative two goal differential. <laughs> Southampton's just higher because Southampton has scored five times while Chelsea has scored three times. But Southampton has conceded seven times while Chelsea has scored five times. So you kind of see basically when the goal differential is the same, we kind of see who has scored more. That that's how you kind of see the difference between right there in the ranks. So, but again, as far as Southampton goes, it is merely just for the time being, and that honestly is no disrespect to Southampton. Well, now we get to AFC and Bournemouth. <sighs> I mean, honestly, there, I, I, what is there for me to say? Arsenal wins three to zero. You know, Udegaard scoring a brace, and you know, after you know, after eleven minutes of play, Arsenal, the Gunners were already up two to zero. You know, I mean, Arsenal being they're three and zero, and I and I really just cannot remember the last time that Arsenal was undefeated after three games of Premier League play. <laughs> I really can, and, and seeing William Saliba score the third goal, you know Saliba, the French defender, you know, and him, you know Saliba, you know, formerly playing for Olympique de Marseille, you know, to see Saliba excel and shine in the English Premier League, you know, with Arsenal, you know, his stock is only going to rise further and further and further, and he's only going to get better as a player. And interestingly enough, you know, his goal came with an assist. So he, here he is playing great, and then, you know, of course, his stock is rising. He's getting better, more experienced. His skills and talent are growing further. They're developing. They're improving. The French national team is basically going to have no choice but to not only call him up, but to really consider putting him out, out on the pitch because right now the French national team, I mean, their big problem right now is, basi- is basically, you know, the ability to play defense. So, yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, Arsenal just, you know, Major props to them. Now, of course, some would say, okay, they beat they beat Bournemouth. You know, let's not give them too much credit. I mean, look, again, I, I, it's true, yeah, but still, you know, a win's a win. But Arsenal, you know, made, made made some moves. You know, of course, you know, you know, the managerial position. You know, of course, they they could have fired the, they could have fired the guy. You know, any time, but they didn't. So, so Arsenal kind of just went through a lot of hell just to basically kind of ensure their future. And and so far, Arsenal's is playing is, is doing a good job. You know. You know, they beat Crystal Palace, you know, their opening game. Then last week, they beat Leicester City at home. And then they beat uh, AFC Bournemouth. I mean, I get it. They're picking up wins against the not-so-convincing opponents. But still, you, you got to give them credit for the brilliant play. Because how many times have we seen a heavyweight club beat a, beat a small club, but not in the most convincing or maybe in an unconvincing fashion? I mean, y- y'all get the point. And Arsenal next week, excuse me, this week, uh, well, technically next week, because it's... it's, it, it's Really, it's basically going to be match day four. It's going to be this Saturday, but technically it's going to be the next match day. So I, I think I'll get the point. Arsenal's next opponent is going to be Fulham, and Fulham just beat Brentford. So I do believe Arsenal is definitely going to pick up that win, and I'll definitely do a, a, roundup, a roundabout, as I like to say. I'll definitely look through uh, next week as well, but or match day four. I'm going to get my thoughts, but... I do believe, you know, Arsenal's certainly going to be 4-0. And I think Arsenal, you know, this could actually be the season where they actually finally finish in the top four and then compete for the Champions League next season. So, 
it would certainly be nice to see Arsenal in the Champions League again. But seeing like I know six shots on target for the Gunners and three of them counted, so that's that's a fifty percent conversion rate on shots on target. You know, seeing you know deep the the deeper highlights right now. You know, a total of fourteen shots total. Hmm. I'm looking at the stats. You know, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, two big chances missed. I mean, Sarsen, you know, a, a couple of cracks here and there, but you know, again. It's gonna happen. It, it's imp- it's basically who's 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 gonna convert every single chance. But sometimes missing those chances is is the brutal part because that kind of really what knocks off on the reputation and the status. But a total of twenty clearances and <clears throat> AFC Bournemouth goalkeeper you know made three saves while you know Arsenal made one and four blocks by uh, AFC Bournemouth. So. So Arsenal pick up, picks up the win, you know, hard-fought win, and, you know, they kind of seem like they have the game under control right from the beginning, and, you know, they maintained the, their focus and the concentration, and they were able to, you know, to, to win soundly, and they got to keep it up, you know, no matter what. So that's Arsenal, but now we now we really get to somewhat of the shocker. Now, now this, was, this is what started, you know. I spoke about two particular surprises, you know, and I, and I forgot to mention one, but uh, we'll certainly get to that. We'll, I'll certainly reveal that one once I get to it. Now we look at Leeds United beating Chelsea 3-2-0. Let me say it one more time, folks. Because I want because I'm sure that a lot of you thought you were dreaming when you saw these results. Leeds United. Leeds United beating Chelsea 3-2-0. Now I know that one of my buddies and also a loyal listener and a strong supporter of mine, Mr. Zach Westrick, well. I'll be honest, I am super curious to know his thoughts, but I'm sure he's going to give his thoughts when Joe Maverd and Zach and um, Ronnie C. Jr., when those boys get together this week for their show. Uh, the, uh, and I always make sure, I, I don't even know if, if I actually say it right, but for this scene network for, of Stoppage Time I've seen, guys, if I kind of butchered that, I, that's embarrassing, I apologize, but I strongly advise you all to tune in. Those, those guys do a fantastic job. They're very knowledgeable and educated and passionate of the game, just like me. And I appreciate all the shout-outs they gave me, so here's a shout-out to them. So catch my boys Joe, Zach, and Ronnie C. Jr. this week uh, for, for their soccer segment. You really should tune in because you're going to you're really gonna see from their standpoint, but I'm sure Zach is going is, is to give his thoughts and kind of deliver a bit of a verdict. But anyway, you know, in, in my case, just seeing how, the, how this game went, you know, after what happened with Chelsea, to Chelsea last week, you know, it, 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 some would suggest that the frustration got in their head, but I, I don't know if I want to take things that far. But, you know, what's, what's tough is that Chelsea had three shots on target and failed and failed to convert all three of them. You know, Leeds United had six shots on target and converted three of them. And the fact that, you know, when Leeds United took the lead in the 33rd minute and then doubled it, you know, less than five minutes later, you, you're, you're kind of thinking, oh, man, oh, boy. But then you're kind of thinking, okay, well, Chelsea's probably going to wake up, and it wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea, you know, right, came back from this. But and then you're kind of feeling like you're taking you're taking the credit away from Leeds United. But but in my case, that's certainly not going to be it because Leeds United. I mean, I I don't know how they did it, but <laughs> but they did it. There you go. Like I say, I I don't know how they did it, but they did it. <laughs> that's where we should probably leave it at that because that's actually something I, uh, that, that's usually something I tell the boys. I, I tell Joe and Zach, like sometimes if you feel like you, you can't explain that they did it, you just say, I don't know how they did it. 
they just did it. But more often than not, because the fact that Zach, Ronnie, and um, Joe, the fact that those guys are, like I said, very passionate, knowledgeable, and educated in the game, those guys are smart. Those guys are smart enough that they can eventually, one way or the other, they're, they're going to basically come up with their logical verdicts and they're going to deliver. M- much like me. I mean, that's why those guys and I have so much in common. That's why we specifically that, that that's how we bond so much, you know, through our lo- our love and knowledge of the game. So, so Zach, Joe, Ronnie, if you guys are listening to this, God bless you guys. You, you guys keep up the good work. Looking forward to this week, guys. So anyway, you know, I'm super curious to look at the lineup, you know, for this one. Because, you know, there's something about Chelsea and Manchester United that I really need to address because I swear to you, Goal.com released it. But before I get to that, let me take a look at the lineup. Huh. Raheem Sterling and Kai Havertz in the front, too. Look at that. Five midfielders for Chelsea. I mean, <laughs> Thomas Tuchel really took a directive approach. I mean, I can honestly say Thomas Tuchel took made a serious judgment call. But at the end of the day, that is part of the job. I'm not going to criticize Thomas Tuchel for making this kind of decision because, again, he made a judgment call. Because, you know, Thomas Tuchel knows the game. He's a very good coach. I mean, sometimes you you got to take these directive approaches, but at the same time, you know, you look at Leeds United and, and they utilize a four-defender set while Chelsea utilized a three-defender set but, but with five midfielders. So Chelsea was really going to be heavy, a heavy balance team to try to, you know, excel on both on the attack and as well on, as on defense. You know, seeing Jorginho, you know, be right in the middle, the middle midfielder. You have Mount right beside him, along with Gallagher, and then you have Ruben Loftus Cheek. You know, on the on the uh, on one side with uh, Cucurella on the other side. You know, seeing you know uh, Kubilai Bali, you know, get that yellow get that yellow card late in the game. You know, after receiving his second yellow of the game. I mean, sometimes it, it really suggests like the Chelsea still have the frustrations in their head, but I really like like I said, I mean, that, that kind of seems like it's a not so much as, as an invalid excuse. I mean, that's just kind of a lame excuse overall. I mean, I mean, but at the same time, maybe Chelsea was still frustrated. I don't know. But whatever the case is, Chelsea had to basically get over what happened last week and focus on the future. So, in my case, there's a, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, obviously, Chelsea just maybe just another bad day in the office. Maybe the under maybe the underestimated Leeds United. I mean, there's so many responses. There's so many possible logical reasons as to why they lost the game. But the bottom line is they lost the game. No matter how they did it, the bottom line is they lost. And furthermore, they lost in a very humiliating and frustrating fashion. <sighs> Boy. You know what? Interestingly enough. Angolo Conte didn't even didn't even play in this game. I mean, he's not even he wasn't even on the bench. So that tells me okay, because if Angolo Conte got hurt, I mean, I I, I I do not recall hearing any any news about that from last week. Oh, three days ago. Oh boy. Well, ESPN three days ago actually said something. Like, oh boy. Yeah, because I don't I because I, I do not recall Mr. Westrick. Or um, Mr. Ron Swanson, a fellow Stoppage FC uh, expert, who's also a strong supporter of Chelsea. I don't recall any any of them uh, sharing anything about Angolo Conte. M- maybe they did. I, I probably just I probably just didn't catch it. I mean, I don't know. But according to this, ESPN.com releasing a, a, a story saying Chelsea's Chelsea suffered Angolo Conte blow with midfielder to miss quote several weeks. Oh boy. He suffered a serious hamstring injury. Oh, boy. 
Oh, okay. Okay, well, apparently, okay, so he limped out last week against Tottenham and Chelsea. Huh. I mean, I honestly don't remember the highlights ever, ever pointing that out. I really do not. I mean, I guess the, I guess the, uh, the NBC, they, they just want to kind of, they, they didn't want to mention that in the highlights, but, but I swear to you, as silly as it sounds, I was actually not aware of the fact that Angelo Conte got hurt. But that's unfortunately that's unfortunately that's been kind of routine for Angelo Conte because he has he has struggled to stay healthy. I mean, lately because of how uh, how injury prone he is. I mean, his future and his current status and future with the French national team is in serious jeopardy. And you know, in in his career moving forward, I mean, you know, <clears throat> last season, as we know, Conte only started twenty one Premier League matches because you know he had. Constant injuries, you know, with his knee and his groin, and of course he, he tested positive for COVID nineteen. So it, it, it's a, it's a shame too, really. But moving forward with the, with the French national team, you know, the the likes of Eduardo Camavinga and and Aurelien Chouameni, sooner or later those guys are going to be basically they're the future of, of the French national team, especially in the midfield. So. It kind of looks like the time of Angelo Conte and Paul Pogba is, is really drawing to an end as far as international duties. So the French Football Federation is going gonna, is gonna to have to understand that now's the time to start grooming Kamaviga and Chouameni for the future because those guys are the future of Les Bleus. All right. Well, it's definitely... Uh, yeah, it's definitely a shame about Angelo Conte, but you know, right now at this point, sometimes when you're thinking, I think the most expectations you expect out of him is if he's going to get hurt. I mean, that's that's the biggest cause for concern, and that breaks my heart because Angelo Conte, I, I admire the guy, I truly respect him. So, but you know, the the injuries, you know, it's you know, it happens. You you can't really hold that against him because soccer is just that sport that sometimes you get hurt, and you know, sometimes these injuries, especially when you in the part of your career, because you, Conte is 31, so. Now you're kind of thinking, you know, now that he's in his 30s, I mean, he's his fitness and everything, it, it's really not going to be as productive as back when he was in his 20s. So, but, you know, seeing this game, you know, Christian Pulisic, you know, didn't even start. I don't, I don't even think Christian Pulisic has even started a match so far for the Premier League. So I think this is, I think, you know, so far for the first three games, you know, in the Premier League for Chelsea, Christian Pulisic has actually started on the bench. And speaking of that thing from Gold.com, which I absolutely kid you not, I swear to you on my grandfather's grave that Gold.com released a rumor insisting that Chelsea wants to swap Harry Maguire from Manchester United, and they are willing to th- to uh, they're willing to throw Christian Pulisic to Manchester United in order to get Harry Maguire. Guys, I absolutely kid. You not. There was a story. I mean, I even shared it on Gold. I even shared it on Stoppage Time FC. I've even shared it to one of my newest uh, listeners who also works with me with Playmakers Blog. That would be Ben, who, by the way, is listening. And Ben, I know that I sent it to you. And I'm pretty sure, as Ben said, that Gold.com will just throw things out there. And believe it or not, I. Believe it or not, I, I I I don't think I actually spoke about this with my uh, other good friend and uh, loyal listener, Mister uh, the fiercely opinion, Mister Josh McSwain. But I I swear to you, he probably would have had a hard time, you know, believing it or and understanding the particular proposal as much as I do. I mean, he he probably would have thought that this can't be for real. I mean, why the hell would Chelsea want anything to do with Harry Maguire, and why would they want to surrender Christian Pulisic in favor of Harry, Harry Maguire? 
I mean, I don't know, but all I know is this. If I'm Chelsea, I mean, excuse me, if I'm Manchester United, <laughs> you know what? Maybe you go for it, but but as far as a striker goes, uh, there's that player from Ajax, uh, Anthony, that uh, Manchester United is reportedly after. So if that's the case, then, if, if, then I, it, it could be safely said that Manchester United has absolutely no interest in Christian Pulisic. Which, you know, I, it does make me sad a little bit because, you know, Christian Pulisic, Captain America. But, honestly, it, it would be no surprise if, if Newcastle United really pushed an effort to get Christian Pulisic. But, you know, but with Manchester United, they just got Casemiro. And Casemiro, I'd imagine, is due to play uh, the next game. So, he was actually at Old Trafford, you know, for Manchester United's game against Liverpool. So, that that is actually official. You know, he, he gave the farewell. He was at Old Trafford, so... That's that. So I'd imagine. So I'd imagine that training starts this week. I imagine the the visa process went through. The medical test went smoothly. Well, it's all hundred percent confirmed. Casemiro is now officially part of Manchester United. Anyway, I got you know so carried away from the game with Leeds United and Chelsea. So Chelsea, man, <laughs> see where they are now. You know just. Ranked in like that with their negative goal differential. One win, one draw, one loss. A negative two goal differential. Oh, boy. You know, really, I, I, I just don't know what to say too much about Chelsea. But obviously, the club is going through uh, going through more unwanted drama, you know, right now with, you know, getting, you know, selling, you know, Timo Werner. And then, you know, the whole thing with Lukaku. And then now there's this thing with Christian Pulisic. You know, Thomas Tuchel just, you know, he, he just got, you know, fined uh, by the by the English FA. So, yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on with Chelsea, but speaking with, with Chelsea, you know, Chelsea, you know, hosting Leicester City next week. I'd imagine that Chelsea is basically determined to take out their frustrations on Leicester City. So, we'll, we'll see if that happens, but there's, uh, things like that. I mean, of course, now the injury to Angelo Conte and everything, I mean... It's basically now you're thinking about, as far as Chelsea goes, you know, what the hell is going to happen next. That's that. Now we get to, well, this game, Brighton Brighton beating West Ham United. I really have nothing to say about it, but, you know, Brighton United, you know, Brighton, I, have, I probably just said Brighton United. <laughs> Brighton basically, you know, beating Manchester United in the opening week, you know, Brighton kind of had a, an early converting an early penalty in the game, then you know in the 66th minute, you know, kind of doubling the lead, and West Ham United really kind of like couldn't really do anything. I mean, West Ham had three shots on target, but couldn't convert, and Brighton had two shots on target, and, and, and you know, amazingly enough, they were able to convert them both. So, all I really got to say about that one, but this game. This game, now, I spoke about the two surprises, and then, I, and then there's the third one that I said that I forgot to mention. Well, here it is right there, y'all. Manchester City, Newcastle United, ending in a 3-3 tie. But here's the kicker right now. Newcastle United, at one point, had a 3-1 to lead on Manchester City. Huh. I mean, how about that? After 54 minutes, Newcastle United led 3-1. to But about 5 minutes later, of course, none other than Erling Haaland scores a goal. And then 3 minutes later, Bernardo Silva equalizes and it's a 3-3 game. Newcastle United could not produce one more goal and neither could Manchester City. You know, Manchester City took the lead in the 5th minute. And then 
about 23 uh, minutes later, that's when Newcastle equalizes. And then about 10 minutes later, it's 2-1. So Newcastle had a 2-1 lead going into the half. And then 10 minutes in the second half, it's 3-1. Then you're thinking, can Newcastle somehow hold on and pick up one of the biggest upsets so far this season in the Premier League? But of course, Manchester City, truly being Manchester City, somehow find a way to come right back in the game. You know, the fact that they were trailing, you know, in the 55th minute. I mean, they had plenty of time to come back and not only to equalize, but to actually even find a game-winning goal, but that didn't happen. Oh, boy. You know, speaking of Erling, of course, you know, Erling Holland, you know, the investment so far is definitely working out so well for Manchester City and Erling Holland, right? Just as, as we basically, as we just predicted. So, you know, in this game, you know, Phil, uh, Phil Foden, became the youngest player to make 100 top-flight league appearances under the management of Pep Guardiola. So congratulations to Phil Foden on that. And as far as... Um, and this is actually interesting. This was actually the seventh time Manchester City opened the scoring in a Premier League match, but went in the halftime trailing. Although Manchester City would would be going losing five of their previous uh, six at such games, so, huh. but Manchester City, you know, managed to salvage, managed to you know get 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 the draw, but but you know, sometimes you're kind of thinking, you know, did, some some people are already asking, like, did Newcastle kind of expose Manchester City for for some of the p- potential cracks and weaknesses that the club has? I mean, that's very possible, but. If that if that's truly the case, then Manchester City is going to be sure that they fix these errors because they don't want to make sure that these errors you know are here to stay. Manchester City is going to work work on fixing what, what the problems are because Manchester City, in, in, in their case, they prefer to settle for the wins. They're a team that they're about winning. And make no mistake about it, Manchester City wants to return to winning, and they plan on doing that next week, I can assure you. Because as I mentioned earlier, Manchester City takes on Crystal Palace on Saturday, August 27th. And wouldn't be surprised if Manchester City really takes out that kind of frustration on Crystal Palace as well. Manchester City, 10 shots on target. Wow, look at that. I know Newcastle at 6, so... A little bit of that height in that in the conversion rate, but you know Manchester City, at one point trailing three to one. That that's definitely not so much as a cause for concern because Manchester City came back from it. But but you know moving forward, I mean you know Manchester City, I have no doubt that they plan on you know making all the necessary adjustments to uh, fill in the gaps. You know fill in the, whatever you know repair repair anything that needs to be fixed and basically prepare you know for the games moving forward because. You know, they got Crystal Palace next week, and they got Nottingham Forest the week after. So even though these games, you know, nothing much to worry about. And then they got Aston Villa on September 3rd, but still Manchester City wants to be sure that whatever issues are happening right now, whatever problems to be addressed, I can assure you that Manchester City will not waste any time addressing the issues. So that's that. Now we really get to something I never, ever, ever would have thought would have gone the way it did. Manchester United beats Liverpool 2-1. And if I am correct, Manchester United has beaten Liverpool, I believe, for the first time since 2018. 
And also, Manchester United snapped Liverpool's 21-game unbeaten streak in Premier League play. Well, how about that? And this is definitely something I got to take major, and I do mean major, responsibility for. Because I said that Liverpool would obliterate, and I do mean obliterate, Manchester United. But that did not happen. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, I'm the one laughing. I'm kind of laughing at myself, right? <laughs> but yeah, it was actually, yeah, I was correct. So yeah, Manchester United actually beat Liverpool for the first time since March of 2018. According to Opta Joe, Manchester United have won just one of their last 12 Premier League games against Liverpool. Six draws and five losses, and they were winless in, in, in eight meetings since a 2-1 win in March of 2018. Oh, boy. You know, what's interesting is that both Cristiano Ronaldo and Harry Maguire were benched for this game. So now I'm asking myself, I wonder who, the ca- I wonder who captained the team in this, in this game. I'm really curious to know. That's at least you know that that's what I said to myself when um when I saw that when when I, when I saw the um the highlights come out. Although Ronaldo did end up coming in the game you know, late the late later, I believe he he came in. You know he replaced Marcus Rashford, who surprisingly was at the start. You know as the sole striker. You know you look at the, I looking at the the um <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> the uh, lineup. You know Dalo, Varane, Martinez, and Malasia. You know being in the back four. With Christian Eriksen and Scott McTonamay in the midfield, and you got Sancho, Fernandez, and Ilanga with as the forwards, and you got Marcus Rashford as the lone striker. So, hmm. you know, and Marcus Rashford that goal. I mean, I'm telling you, the the team looked energetic. They looked focused. They looked motivated somehow. Some would say they they got a lucky break because Liverpool is without Diogo Jota, Thiago, as well as Darwin Nunez. Although I did say that despite having all those three guys out, that Liverpool would still would still somehow find a way to destroy, and I do mean destroy Manchester United, but somehow Manchester United just, they just got it done. Like, amazingly. And Harry Maguire, you know, never even actually came into the game. And honestly, I'm glad. And Cristiano Ronaldo came in late in the game, came in in the 86th minute. You know, and honestly... Like, I, I don't even know really what to say. I mean, this game, because, you know, seeing it and just seeing how Manchester United was, you're just kind of like, all of a sudden, you know, out of nowhere, Manchester United, you know, they, they look good. You, you, you saw a lot of effort, a lot of hard work, some pride, some motivation. I mean, everything that the team was lacking, all of a sudden, everything that the team did not have, all of a sudden, they had it. So now the question is, moving forward, will they be able to keep it? And that remains to be seen. But Manchester United, beating Liverpool the way they did, Manchester United just played played one hell of a match. There is absolutely no doubt about that. One hell of a match. (laughs) But seeing, you know, Harry Harry Maguire bench, I'm just kind of like, I don't know what Eric Ten Hag did, but... (laughs) <clears throat> I mean, whatever he did, he did, you know, like that. And I can honestly say, you know, this is what I said, like, Eric Ten Hag simply just took a chance. And much like Thomas Tuchel, Eric Ten Hag basically 
made a judgment call. And, and of course, you can't argue that it was no judgment call because, again, he benched Cristiano Ronaldo as well. So he benched both those guys. You know, and the whole drama with Cristiano Ronaldo and Manchester United, and, man, of course, I mean, that's one hell of a judgment call. But you know what? It's risky but necessary. Can't deny that. Now, those are basically these kind of theories that I have. I mean, you know, honestly, I think, you know, benching Harry Maguire is kind of a no-brainer because we just see how poor the performance is right now. So, some some might suggest, you know, I've, I've maybe suggested this, but I think that the fact that, that two big egos did not start in the match, maybe that might have helped a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, there's just plenty of ego all over Manchester United, so... So so really like I am curious to know the uh, the exact reason why they were benched but you know but Eric Ten Hag said and I quote you have to do that out of a block of need energy and that's why and he said and that's why and then he mentioned that's why he we went with Rashford, Sancho and Ilanga and Malcus Rashford and Jane Sancho I mean you know putting them right there in the next day it, it worked out because they both scored so and they both scored in in spectacular fashion so and, you know, of course, you know, he was asked about dropping the club captain, Harry Maguire. He said, and I quote, Varane is a very experienced player, won everything, and will bring the communication in the back four. We want mobility and agility in the back four, unquote. So, so again, these judgment calls, these chances that Eric Ten Hag took, again, risky, but no doubt necessary. Okay? 100% necessary. And... The fact that, you know, you, you lose the first two games and then, of course, the first win of the Ayrton Ha-Hera is a, is a win against Liverpool, a rivalry that goes, you know, so long. Huh. I mean, that was the way to do it. That was truly the way to do it. So, huh. Now, l- looking at it, I mean, you know, seeing like if like like that, you know, seeing the game and, and when Manchester United scored first, I'll be honest, at first I was like, okay, Manchester United was, was fortunate enough to score first. But now business is going to pick up. I was I was really certain that Liverpool was going to equalize soon, and then Liverpool was going to really put the game into their favor. But that didn't happen. And then I see it two to zero. How Marcus Rashford scores in such a beautiful fashion. I mean, this is the Marcus Rashford that I want to see—a confident, motivated, and passionate Marcus Rashford. That's what we want to see. That's what I want to see. And suddenly, you give him the chance. You give him a chance to start. You give him the chance to shine. You motivate him like that, and chances are you're gonna get the, you're gonna get the result that you are looking for. So, I mean, Manchester United just you know you got to give him the credit. You, there's just no point. Of, I mean, I you can argue it, like maybe they got lucky or whatever. I mean, to be honest, they were under pressure for the final you know in the closing of the, of the game when Mohamed Salah cut the two nothing lead in half. You know, in the eighty first minute. And that's where we're really thinking, oh boy, you know, Manchester United could have coughed up another goal just like that. They could have even coughed up two goals just like that, but they didn't. So as soon as Liverpool inflicted the pressure, Manchester United basically thrived on it. They just denied Liverpool the chance to really take the win here at Old Trafford. I mean, again, (laughs) Eric Ten Hag, I mean... I'd imagine he he really made the players work hard this week, but you know without what he he did, I mean, I mean again, you know, I I told Joe, I don't know what Eric Ten Hag did, but whatever he did, it worked, and I think that that that's truly what matters. But 
he mentioned, you know, even Joe's mentioned that, you know, the team was energetic and everything like that. So, I mean, again, and that, that's why I suggest to him that the fact that two egos, that, that two egos were taken out of the, did not start in the game. I mean, somehow I would suggest that maybe, maybe that was, that was the assistance, but, but I, I really don't know. I really don't know. And, Joe said, you know, the, the team was more energetic with cohesiveness without the two main causes for discourse, it seems. So when, when Joe brings up that verdict, and then I suggest that the fact that two two egos being out of the game, not a starter, is, was key. It kind of seems like you bring in those two guys with the egos like that. You, you put them away. You, you give the chance. You let the other guys play without having to worry about it. Then you get be- you get better results. And, and Eric Ten Hag did what needed to be done. He did what needed to be done, and again, it worked. So, <laughs> you know, speaking of you know, like you know, the two draws and one loss. I mean, that's Liverpool's worst start ever to a season in the era of Jurgen Klopp. So, I mean, right now everybody's asking if Manchester United finally found their their center back uh, defense. I mean, Varane. The problem with Varane is you know he's injury prone, so. As long as he, as long as he can stay healthy and he maintains, you know, like that, you know, Varane's won basically everything, and you know, he's got that the mentorship and the veteran, everything like that. So, I think with Dalo, Varane, Martinez, and Malasia, I mean, Martinez and Malasia were two signings by Manchester United, so they really, they might as well, you know, utilize them and groom them for the future. So you might as well give them the ball and and, and let them run with it. You know, seeing Alanga start and see Jane Sancho start uh, with Fernandez in the center. I mean, the attack kind of, you know, got a little bit more balanced, and you got Marcus Rashford, and then you saw Anthony Martial come in, and, you know, and, and amazingly enough, amazingly enough to see that Anthony Martial provided an, an assist, that was, that was great. I mean, <laughs> that, that really almost brought a tear to my eye, because, you know, I, I've been, you know, really praying to see Anthony Martial, you know, finally, you know, have some sort of important status with the team and he did and when he provided the assist in Marcus Rashford's goal I mean that was beautiful and Ilanga provided the assist in Gene Sancho's goal so I just truly could not believe it <laughs> oh boy but so now but before we get there so, so Bruno so seeing Bruno Fernandez captain the team I, I think that was kind of the really the surprising part I would have I would have thought that with uh, with Cristiano Ronaldo bench I would I would have imagined that the captain would have been David De Gea I would imagine him or I would have I would have thought that David De Gea or Rafael Varane would have, would have captained the team but but seeing you know but letting uh, Bruno Fernandez you know captain the team I mean well okay why not as long as the team can get the job done in in a spectacular fashion then then fine put the armband on whoever has earned it but and I'd imagine that. Bruno Fernandez in Eric Ten Hag's view, if Bruno Fernandez earned it, then, then so be it, and that's really, truly all I got to say. Oh boy, it's been kind of a, it's been such a long hour, and again, I kind of apologize, you know, for some of the miscues like that. And again, you know, sometimes it's just, sometimes that adrenaline is just so badly overwhelming, it's just out of my control. So. So now look at the, at the standings. Arsenal is on top, three to three and zero. Followed by Manchester City's at second now, and Manchester City, along with Leeds United, Brighton, and Tottenham, are both at two wins and one draw. Really interesting to see Leeds United just jump up to three after after obliterating Chelsea. But you know, Chelsea sitting at twelfth, 
Manchester United sitting at 14th and Liverpool at 16th. So, and Liverpool is winless after three games. So, it's definitely pretty freaking, uh, definitely unusual. So, take a, a little early look at match day four. We got Southampton hosting Manchester United on the road. And Manchester United, need, they need to start a winning streak and, and keep that winning streak as, live as, uh, as, as, as alive as possible for as long as possible. Chelsea's hosting Leicester City. You got Brighton, Brighton uh, hosting Leeds United. That'll certainly be interesting. You got Crystal Palace on the road against Manchester City. Liverpool is hosting Bournemouth, and okay, I'll be honest. Liverpool's really gonna want to take really want to take out their frustrations now. Uh, Brentford versus Everton. Arsenal versus Fulham. Wolverhampton versus Newcastle. Aston Villa versus West Ham, and Nottingham Forest versus Tottenham. Pretty interesting one like that, but rather than make predict, the only prediction I'm going to make is that we're going to have a few more big surprises, and a lot of, and, and maybe one or two, they're going to be extreme shockers, and that's my prediction right there, and that's all I got to say. But before I let y'all go, I'd like to proudly remind everybody that Internet FC is proudly partnered with Fanatics. Fanatics is your number one place for fan apparel. Fanatics offers over 500,000 items from all the top brands from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and so much more, including Major League Soccer as well as European Soccer. So if you are looking to shop at Fanatics, just use Into the Net FC's link in the description and you can start shopping as well as take advantage of the best deals possible. And for all the pro wrestling fans out there, just so you know, WWEShop.com is now part of the Fanatics experience. So if you are looking to shop at WWEShop.com, just use Internet FC's link in the description and start getting your pro wrestling merch right now. And Internet FC is also proudly brought to you by Fans Idea. Design your own team jerseys for as low as $24.99. Custom jerseys made in a matter of seconds with customizable templates. Excuse me. Design the perfect high quality and no skills are needed. It's fast, it's easy, and if you want to customize your own sportswear, just use the link in the description and get started. And finally, Internet FC is proudly brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus allows you to stream the Champions League, the Europa League, and the Europa Conference League. Plans start at $4.99 per month, and you can cancel anytime. Subscribe now. You can get a free trial. So if you're looking to sign up, just use the link in the description, and you can start binge-watching as well as watch soccer immediately. And Internet FC is available to you on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Thank you all very, very much for joining me today. And I will see y'all next time. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.